0: Chapter Three of Born to Serve. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Born to Serve by Charles Monroe Sheldon. Chapter Three. Service is royal. The ward pew in the Marble Square Church was about halfway down the aisle and in the body of the house as barbara walked down the aisle she was conscious of a feeling of excitement hardly warranted by the event as she passed into the pew first leading carl after her as the arrangement of seating had been planned by mrs ward she noticed mrs ward's face It was very grave and there was again present in it that uncertain element which had set barbara to guessing once or twice before how far her mistress would venture to cooperate with her in the matter of solving the questions belonging to housekeeping but barbara was a young woman with a good reserve of common sense and she at once dismissed all foolish speculations and resolutely gave her thoughts to the service of the hour she was naturally and healthily religious and was prepared to enter into the worship with no other thought except her need of communion and devotion and reception of truth when the minister came out of his study-room into the pulpit barbara noticed a look of surprise on several faces near her she heard the lady in the pew next to her say in a whisper to another where is dr law to-day he is in carleton this must be morton their new minister he looks very young do you suppose he can preach annie barbara did not hear the answer but she had not been able to avoid making a comment to herself on the youthful appearance of the minister but when he began the service by giving out the first hymn the impression of extreme youthfulness disappeared he had a good voice and a quiet modest reverent manner that barbara liked his prayer helped her and when he began to preach there was a simplicity and earnestness about his delivery that was very attractive he did not try to say too much the sermon was written but the reader had evidently tried to avoid being so closely confined to the pages as to lose a certain necessary sympathy with his hearers which the use of the eye alone can secure. Barbara was really interested in the entire sermon, and as a whole it helped her. Her happily trained religious nature had taught her to look with horror upon the common habit of criticism and comparison when attending a church service. The main object of going to church was to get help to be a better Christian. She had often said— in little debates over such subjects while in college if the sermon was a learned and eloquent and interesting as well as helpful so much the better but if it had every quality except helpfulness it missed the mark to be able to say after hearing a sermon that has helped me to be a better person this week is really the same thing as declaring that the sermon was a good sermon anything that helps life is great all sermons that give courage or peace or joy or inspire to greater love to god and neighbor are great sermons so barbara was lifted up by the message of the morning and when the service was closing during the hush that succeeded the benediction as the congregation remained seated for a moment she uttered a prayer of thanksgiving and a prayer of petition for patience and wisdom in the life she had chosen much blessed and comforted by the service of the morning as barbara came out into the aisle again mrs ward who was standing near the end of the pew opposite she beckoned to barbara i want to introduce miss clark to you mrs vane an elderly woman with very keen blue eyes and the sharpest look out of them that barbara had ever seen spoke to her abruptly but kindly as she came up carl still clinging to her very glad to see you miss clark you must come in and see us some afternoon or evening oh i know who you are just a servant and we are rich and aristocratic folks and all that my grandfather was a blacksmith in connecticut his ancestors were from veins of arley in scotland good honest working people as far as i can ascertain i want you to meet miss barnes who is helping us at present she introduced the young woman who was standing behind her and barbara somewhat shyly shook hands with a heavy-faced girl who however smiled a little barbara was astonished at mrs vane and instantly concluded that she was a character in the marble square church and in crawford as indeed she was my father and mr vane were in college together barbara said as they moved down the aisle are you sure the sharp eyes seemed to look barbara through yes ma'am i have heard father speak often of thomas vane before he mentioned the fact of your living in crawford "'Mr. Vane would be glad to see your father again. Ask him to call.' "'Father died last winter,' Barbara answered in a low voice. "'The tragedy of that business failure and sudden shock which resulted in her father's death was too recent to be spoken of without deep feeling. "'Dear me! It is strange Thomas never told me. Perhaps he did not hear of it. Is your mother living?' "'Yes,' Barbara told her, the street.' she must come and see me after i have called she is alone you say and again the sharp eyes pierced barbara they had reached the door and mrs vane tapped mrs ward on the shoulder mrs ward you see that miss clark comes to see me i want a long talk with her don't be afraid my dear i don't want to know any more than you are willing to tell me but i'm interested in you and perhaps i can do something to help she hurried out leaving barbara in some uncertainty as to what kind of help was meant would this woman of wealth and social position help her in her plans for solving the servant-girl problem the wards were still standing near the door and carl was pulling barbara's dress and crying to her to hurry home for dinner when the young minister came up and shook hands heartily with mrs ward at the close of the service he had come down from the pulpit and had gone through one of the side doors leading into the church vestibule he had been talking with some of the people up there, but the minute Mr. Ward appeared, he came over and greeted him. "'Very glad to see you and to hear you, Morton, I'm sure,' Mr. Ward was saying as Barbara came into the vestibule. "'Been some time since you and Alfred came in to see us together.' "'Yes, I've been too busy since I left the seminary, with the work in Carlton. How is Alfred?' "'Oh, he's quite well,' Mrs. Ward answered as Morton looked at her. "'We expected him home a month ago, but he had to give up something at the last minute "'on account of some society doings. "'But,' by this time Carl had dragged Barbara out past Mrs. Ward, "'Allow me to introduce Miss Clark, who is—' Barbara. looked at her quietly, and she continued, "'who is working for us at present.' "'Mr. Morton bowed and shook hands with Barbara, saying as he did so, "'I am very glad to meet you, Miss Clark.' and barbara listening and looking with sensitiveness to detect a spirit either of patronizing or of indifference could not detect either he spoke and looked as any gentleman might have spoken and looked at any young woman who was his equal in society won't you come home to dinner with us morton asked mrs ward heartily i'm stopping at the hotel i think i had better not come today well when do you go back to carlton tomorrow at two well then, come to lunch to-morrow noon. I shall be glad to, thank you, he said, and he bowed pleasantly to them all as he passed over to the other side of the vestibule to speak to some one else. Mr. Morton was a senior in college when Alfred entered, Mrs. Ward explained to Barbara as they walked out of the church. He had an opportunity to do Alfred a great kindness, and our boy never forgot it he used to come home with him quite often during the last term mr morton was at college before he entered the seminary he's a very promising young man said mr ward positively i like his preaching it's sensible and straight and interesting too mrs ward added her heart warming to the young man who had befriended her son just how much ralph morton had helped alfred ward not even the mother ever knew but it was during a crisis in his young life and the brave simple nature of morton had gone out to the young fellow in his trouble very much like a rescue but men do not rear monuments to this sort of heroism barbara walked on in silence but in her heart she also had a feeling of gratitude for the young preacher whose courteous greeting no less than his helpful sermon had given her courage at the same time she was conscious of a little whisper in her mind which said nevertheless barbara clark in the very nature of the case you are not privileged to move in the society of young men like mr morton as long as you are a servant you may be college-bred and you may be as refined and intelligent as he is but he could never look on you as an equal his courtesy was paid to you as a minister would be courteous to any woman but not as an equal in any sense you never could expect to sit down and talk together you never could anticipate the enjoyment of his company or-or expect that he would ever call to see you as-as he might call to see barbara colored deeply as she allowed the whisper to die away in uncompleted fragments of imagination she was the last girl in the world to have foolish romantic dreams of young men she had never had a lover no one had ever made her think of any such possibility she was singularly free from any silly sentiment such as girls of her age sometimes allow to spoil the freshness and strength of a womanly heart but she was romantic in many ways and being a woman and not an angel or a statue she had thought at times of some brave helpful strong life that might become a part of hers the world-old cry of the heart for companionship the hunger god given to men and women was not unknown to barbara within the last year or two when she had begun to blossom into womanhood the thought that her choice of a career in service had put her outside the pale of a common humanity's loving smote her with another pang as she walked along it seemed that there were depths and heights to this servant-girl problem that she was constantly discovering into which she might never descend and out to which she might never climb carl woke her from her thoughts by dragging at her dress and saying come barbara let's hurry i'm hungry let's hurry now and get dinner barbara looked at mrs ward yes go on with him if you want to lewis will be impatient he ran on ahead before his father could stop him i don't feel well enough to walk faster so barbara hurried on with carl as she passed several groups of churchgoers. she was conscious that she herself was the object of conversation she could not hear very well but got fragments of sentences some spoken before some after she had passed different people a freak of mrs ward's mrs vane's queer ideas perfectly absurd to try to equalize up girls have no right to demand ought to know their places no way to help solve the problem etc were remarks by the different members of marble square church that set barbara's pulse beating and colored her cheek with anger you hurt me barbara exclaimed carl as barbara unconsciously gripped his little hand tight oh dearie i am sorry i didn't mean to in an instant she was calm again what barbara clark you have not endured anything to-day she had not anticipated anything before going to church she had simply made up her mind to take what came and abide by it what had actually happened was not a sample of what might happen sunday after sunday probably not but it all went with the place she had chosen perhaps it was not at all the thing for mrs ward to do it might not accomplish any good but then it she stopped thinking about it and went on to the house to prepare the lunch when mrs ward came in she found carl satisfied with a bowl of bread and milk and barbara quietly busy getting lunch for the rest mrs ward offered to help with the work but barbara saw that she was very tired and insisted on her lying down i'll have everything ready very soon she said cheerfully and as she went back into the kitchen she was humming one of the hymns sung in the service what do you think about to-day mr ward asked in a low voice as his wife lay down on a lounge in the dining-room you mean barbara sitting with us yes will it help matters any oh i don't know i never would have done it if i hadn't happened to think of mrs vane she's rich and has an assured place in society her girls always come with her and she introduces them right and left to everybody yes martha but mrs vane is eccentric in all her ways she is accepted because she is rich and independent but have you noticed that these girls that come to church with her never get on any farther no one knows them in spite of her introductions i inquired of young williams one sunday if the barnes girl was in the endeavor society of the church and he said he believed she came three or four times and then stopped and when i asked him the reason he said she did not feel at home the other girls were better educated or something like that that's just it you can't mix up different classes of people if they were all like barbara now and knew their places but just then barbara appeared and mrs ward abruptly stopped when barbara went out again she said i don't know whether her going with us today did more harm or good it did the girl good i am sure said mr ward oh well i hope it did but i would given a good deal to know what mrs rice and mrs wilson and mrs burns thought about it they knew barbara for they had seen her here several times at our club committee meetings you don't suppose they would talk about it do you asked mr ward sarcastically they were talking about it all the way home or i'm very much mistaken what an inspiring thing it would be to a minister if he could only hear the conversation of his congregation for half an hour after church service is over said mr ward half to himself and half to his wife whatever else he got out of it he ought to get material for another sermon at least before more than one added mrs ward wearily and then barbara called them and they sat down to lunch but just what mrs ward's three friends did say is of interest because it is a fair sample of what other good people in marble square church said on the way home and the young preacher might possibly have thought that there is still a distinct place left for preaching in churches if he could have heard what these three women had to say about barbara they came out of the church and walked along together it was a good sermon mrs rice began mrs rice was a plump motherly looking woman and a great worker in the church and clubs of crawford mr morton's a young man he has a good deal to learn said mrs wilson positively dr law exchanges a good deal too much i think was mrs burns's comment this is the third exchange since since last march "'Mrs. Vane has a convert. Did you see Mrs. Ward's girl in the pew with her?' Mrs. Wilson asked eagerly. "'Yes. Rather a neat, pretty girl, and seems to know her place. Mrs. Ward told me the other day that she is well-educated, and it is no sort of use trying to do that sort of thing.' Mrs. Rice interrupted with energy. "'I tried that plan once in Whiteville, and it did no good at all. The servants as a class cannot be treated that way.' they always take advantage of it that's what i have always said added mrs burns look at mrs vane's girls she changes as often as any of us and has as much trouble the girls don't want to be treated like that and if they do it makes no difference with their real position no one will really ask them into society and if they did they wouldn't know how to behave mrs wilson exclaimed it does seem a pity though mrs rice went on that girls like this one shouldn't be allowed to have a chance like other people what is she with mrs ward for if she is educated and all that oh she has some idea of helping solve the servant-girl problem mrs burns replied at least mrs ward told me something of that sort she does not know all about the girl herself it's a queer way to solve the question to go out as a servant herself said mrs wilson and the other two women said that's so yet all three of these women had been brought up on the theology of the orthodox teaching of the atonement did you see mr morton speaking to the wards he was just as polite to the girl as he was with any one in the church well of course why not mrs rice asked with a superior air but now imagine mr morton or any other gentleman in crawford really considering a servant as they consider other people even the factory girls or the clerks at bondman's oh well of course there is a difference of course the other two women assented but after all what constitutes the exact difference between honest labor of the hands in a factory or a store and in a home if they are both service that humanity needs for its comfort or its progress ought they not both be judged by the standard of service "'not by the standard of place where the service is rendered?' "'I think Mrs. Ward will find out her mistake "'and be ready to say so in a little while. "'If she is going to bring her girl to church with her, "'I don't see where she can stop short "'of taking her with her everywhere else.' "'And, of course, society will not tolerate that,' "'Mrs. Rice said after a pause. "'Of course not. The whole thing is absurd. "'The girls must keep their places.' all such eccentric women like mrs vane do more harm than good mrs burns declared with decision i had given mrs ward credit for more sense mrs wilson said gravely but i must turn down here good-bye good-bye don't forget the committee meeting at my house to-morrow cried mrs rice and very soon she parted from mrs wilson reminding her as they separated of the church committee meeting later in the week The next morning, after Mr. Ward had gone down to his business, Mrs. Ward said to Barbara, "'You remember Mr. Morton is coming to lunch with us today. Would you like to sit at the table with us?' The colour rushed into Barbara's face, and she did not answer at once. Then she said slowly, "'No, Mrs. Ward, I told you when I came, if you remember, that I never expected to sit with the family at mealtime. My place as a servant is to wait on the family, then.' very well replied mrs ward quietly i simply asked because i want you to understand that i am ready to help you of course you are not like the other girls who have worked for us i have no doubt you could be perfectly at your ease with mr morton or any one else in society mrs ward spoke with some womanly curiosity for barbara had not yet taken her into full confidence and there was much in the girl's purpose and character that Mrs. Ward did not know. "'I suppose I could probably,' Barbara answered demurely. "'Of course. You shut yourself out of the society of people in your own rank of life by choosing to be a servant,' Mrs. Ward went on abruptly. "'You know that as well as I do.' "'Yes,' replied Barbara gravely. "'You know well enough that if I had introduced you yesterday to all the people in Marble Square Church,' probably not one of them would ever have invited you to come and see them, or even enter into any part of the church life. I suppose so, Barbara replied, flushing deeply. And then she said, but I understand well enough that such conditions exist because, in the majority of cases, the girls who go out to service in Crawford would not care to be invited to the homes of the people in Marble Square Church, and would feel very miserable and ill at ease, if they should be invited into such homes that is what i have often said the servant girls are in a distinct class by themselves they are the least educated the most indifferent to refining influences of all the laboring classes at the same time barbara began but mrs ward was called out of the room by some demand of of louis who was still posing more or less as an invalid although he was able to be about and barbara went on with her work conscious that the dragon was if anything bigger and fiercer in some directions every day about noon the bell rang and barbara with a little heightening color in her face went to the door mr morton greeted her as she opened the door saying, happy to meet you again miss clark a little pleasanter not so hot as last week barbara returned his greeting by saying yes sir and took his hat while he walked immediately into the sitting-room like a familiar guest mrs ward heard him from upstairs and came down at once while barbara went into the kitchen during the meal barbara could not avoid hearing part of the conversation she had always remembered what her mother had often said about servants telling everything heard in the family talk and she had tried since coming to the wards to train herself not to listen to what was being said especially at the table when she was called in to stand and wait at the beginning or during the different courses but to-day in spite of herself she could not avoid hearing and knowing a part of the general conversation she heard mr ward good-naturedly asking mr morton how long he expected to live in a hotel at Carlton. carleton I'll warrant all the young ladies in carleton have given him at least a barrel of slippers already mr ward said looking at his wife will you give me the highest market price for all the slippers i possess so far mr morton asked with a smile mr ward was in the wholesale boot and shoe business i don't know i don't think i want to load up so heavily on slippers i assure you it would not ruin you mr morton answered lightly i think with mrs ward though that you ought to be getting a home of your own mr ward was saying when Barbara came in with the dessert my sister is coming up to carleton to keep house for me if i stay there next year i don't mind saying that the hotel is getting rather tiresome if you stay, why, are you thinking of leaving? No, but I was hired for a year only. Listen to the modest young preacher, began mister Ward with a smile. Of course Carleton will want you another year. If they don't, come on down to the Marble Square Church. There is a possibility doctor Law's leaving before Christmas. He is growing old, and his health has failed rapidly of late. mister Morton said nothing in answer to this, and when barbara came in next time they were all talking of the college days when alfred and morton were together barbara had eaten her own dinner and was at work again clearing off the dinner dishes so that when mr morton rose in the other room to go she heard him exchanging farewells with the wards and promising to come down again before long he went out into the hall and after a pause barbara heard him say i don't find my hat possibly miss clark hung it up somewhere there appeared to be a search going on for the missing hat and barbara's face turned very red as she took some dishes out into the kitchen and on turning to come back saw the missing hat on a chair at the end of the table where she had absent-mindedly carried it on mr morton's arrival she recovered herself in a moment and taking up the hat brought it into the hall saying as she confronted the minister i plead guilty to absent-mindedness mr morton i carried your hat out into the kitchen they all had a good laugh at barbara's expense in which she joined and mr morton removed the last of barbara's confusion by speaking of his own absent-minded moments the last time i had a lesson that ought to cure me he said smiling at barbara frankly i left my sermon all neatly written on my desk in my room at the hotel and brought with me into the pulpit several pages of blank fool paper that had been thawing on the desk close to my certain i hadn't time to go back or to send for the sermon and was obliged to preach without notes except the few i could make at the time oh well absent-mindedness is one of the marks of genius mr ward remarked <laughs> laughing we will comfort ourselves with that hope then won't we miss clark good-bye have enjoyed my visit very much barbara went back to her work blushing again over the little incident as she entered the kitchen but grateful to the young man for the kindly off-hand but thoroughly gentlemanly manner in which he had treated it. It was a very little event, so little that it hardly seemed worthy of mention, yet Barbara found her mind recurring to it several times during the day. During some baking in the afternoon, Carl was an interested spectator, and finally prevailed on Barbara to make him a gingerbread man. When she had cut it out and put some white dough on it for eyes, nose, mouth, and coat-buttons, she suddenly remarked aloud, after carl and she had both been silent some time he's a perfect gentleman and that is more than can be said of some college-bred men is this a college-bred man barbara asked carl the terrible i thought it was a gingerbread man you said you would make me a gingerbread man i don't want a college-bred man this is a gingerbread man replied barbara hastily as she turned to the oven and opened the door then who is the other man persisted carl oh never mind i was thinking out loud it isn't nice to do remarked carl reflectively i don't think it is either barbara admitted then what makes you do it insisted carl i won't any more when you are around promised barbara with much positiveness the child seemed satisfied with this statement but when barbara at last took the gingerbread man out of the oven carl suddenly said let's name him barbara all right said barbara pleasantly you give a name carl suggested well how about carl no i don't like that let's call him let's call him mr morton very well replied barbara hurriedly run right along with it your mamma is calling you and i must finish my baking do you think he looks like him carl insisted as he grasped the figure by the feet which in the process of baking had become ridiculously short and stubby merging into the coat-tails no i don't think it's a striking resemblance said barbara laughing Well, I do. I think he looks just like him. I like Mr. Morton, don't you? But at that moment Mrs. Ward called Carl in the tone he always obeyed, and Barbara did not have to answer him. She finished her work in a serious mood, and in the evening in the little room over the kitchen she at first sat down to meditate as her custom sometimes was, but suddenly changing her mind she opened her Bible to seek out another of the passages that referred to the servant or to service. And after several unsuccessful attempts to locate a verse that she thought was in Thessalonians, she's found the passage in Ephesians sixth, chapter, fifth verse. Servants, be obedient unto them that according to the flesh are your masters, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. Not in the way of eye service, as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service, as unto the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that whatsoever good thing each one doeth, the same shall he receive again from the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye, masters, do the same things unto them, and forbear threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no respect of persons with him. I wonder just what those words mean, Barbara thought and ye masters do the same things unto them of course they could not change places as master and slave it must mean a mutual honesty and justice and christlikeness in their relations to one another and then she gained great comfort from the last verse and there is no respect of persons with him my father in heaven she prayed i have chosen my work or thou hast chosen it for me just what its crosses may be i do not yet know whatever i shall be called upon to lose thou knowest but in and through all sustain me with this loving thought there is no respect of persons with thee thou who dost respect the service of men and not their outward station sustain me by thy grace in christ's name amen when thursday afternoon of that week came Barbara remembered her promise to Mrs. Vane, and when she went out, as it was her regular afternoon off, she told Mrs. Ward that she was going to call on Mrs. Vane. "'You will find her a very interesting woman. I don't know how much she can do to help your ideas. She is eccentric. But in any case you will find her interesting,' Mrs. Ward ventured to say. "'I am sure she is,' said Barbara. "'If she asks you to stay to supper, you needn't come back to get ours i'll manage somehow mrs ward spoke kindly and barbara was on the point of thanking her and accepting the permission when she noted mrs ward's pale face and nervous manner she had been suffering all the morning from one of her wretched headaches thank you replied barbara quietly but i prefer not to i'll be back in time to get supper do just as you please mrs ward replied but barbara detected a look of relief on her tired face as she went out "'Mrs. Vane was at home and welcomed Barbara heartily. "'I'm all alone here, and you're just the person I want to see. "'Went to call on your mother yesterday. "'She is lonesome, and I've asked her to come and pay me a visit of a week or a month, "'just as she feels. "'I find that Thomas, for some reason, never heard of your father's death. "'Such things will happen even in a world of newspapers and telegraphs. "'I want you to tell me all about yourself and your plans.' i don't believe you can do a thing but i am ready to help you if you're the girl i think you are the vanes always were proud and aristocratic people but if we have ever stood up for one thing more than another it was for honest labour in the house or the field or the shop or anywhere i hate the aristocracy of doing nothing all my boys learn to trade and all my girls can cook just as well as they can play the piano and some of em better i'd rather eat their pie than hear their piano sit right down there dear and be comfortable barbara had not been in the house half an hour before she was deeply in love with the lady of it after an hour had passed she was astonished at mrs vane's knowledge of human nature and her grasp of the subject of servants and housekeeping problems generally people will tell you my dear that i am an eccentric old lady with a good many crank notions about servants the fact is i try to treat them just as christ taught us to do that's the reason folks call me queer people that try to do the christ-like thing in all relations of life have always been called queer and always will be when barbara finally went away after refusing an urgent invitation to remain to tea she had made an arrangement with mrs vane to meet with her and mrs ward and a friend of both to talk over some practical plan for getting the servants and the housekeepers together for a mutual conference if anything is done mrs vane insisted it must be done with both parties talking it over in a spirit of christian love it never can be solved in any other way the date fixed for the conference was two weeks from that afternoon and barbara went back to her work quite enthusiastic over the future and very much in love with the woman who was known to most of the members of marble square church as that eccentric mrs vane the two weeks had gone by quickly and thursday noon at dinner in the ward house barbara was surprised to find when she came in to serve the first course that alfred ward had unexpectedly arrived he had spent two months of his summer vacation with college classmates on the lakes and had returned sooner than his mother had expected to stay until the term opened again arthur this is miss clark about whom i have written you mrs ward said a little awkwardly the young man looked at her with interest and bowed politely barbara returned his bow simply and did not speak she felt a little annoyed as the meal proceeded and she was called in at different times she thought the family was talking about her and that the college student had been asking questions several times she was conscious that he was looking at her It vexed her, although his look was always respectful. The meal was almost over when mister Ward suddenly asked his wife, Oh, have you heard, Martha, that doctor Law had a stroke yesterday? Very sudden. It will result in his leaving Marble Square pulpit. (gasps) No! How sudden! What will the church do? mister Ward was silent a moment. Barbara was just going out. She slackened her step almost unconsciously. I have no question they will call Morton. Will he come? I think he will. Good, said Alfred. Yes, Morton will be a success in Marble Square Pulpit, Mr. Ward said positively. Barbara went out, shutting the kitchen door. She did not hear Mr. Ward say, if Morton goes on as he has begun, he will become one of the greatest preachers this country ever saw. End of chapter 3